Hi there, Selena Kulkarni here with another episode of the Freedom Warrior podcast. This is a show that believes that business owners can secure financial freedom in five years or less. In this program, we share alternative property investing wisdom to maximize your wealth and give you the inside track on high-performance, recession-resistant wealth-building strategies that will catapult your investment cash flow. I'm super excited to have a very old friend of mine, Cam Zazaven, on the show today. She's someone I met more than 20 years ago and was very much instrumental in inspiring me on my own property investing journey. She's had a, a fabulous, uh, successful career as a business owner of two really prominent businesses. And, you know, property investing for her was always the tool that she used to quietly build her wealth in the background. Um, she shares very openly about her journey. She is someone who has literally come from nothing um, and, you know, just been a real trailblazer. So hope you enjoy the show. Hope you enjoy her pearls of wisdom. And uh, look, if you're a business owner who would like to learn more about financial freedom through alternative methods, please head over to my website, freedomwarrior.com.au, where you can access my library of articles, interviews, and programs to help you on your way to becoming more financially free. Cam, welcome to the Freedom Warrior podcast. So great to have you on. Thank you so much for agreeing to this. Thank you, Selena. So look, I know you're a little bit apprehensive about uh, what I'm going to ask you, and I'm, I'm certainly happy to give context as to why you're such a, an important person for me to have on this show, since you were one of the original people that inspired me on my journey around property and wealth creation. But I'd love it if we could just start with, um, I, I'd, you know, for my own benefit, as well as for listeners, I'm, I'm really curious to understand what did money mean to you growing up? Like you came from a very entrepreneurial family. Like, how was it talked about it in the home? Like, what did it mean to you? Look, to be honest, we arrived here in Australia as refugees and um, we landed in Canberra June of 1980 and literally it was freezing cold and we came from the tropics. We literally had no money, no possessions, um, arrived here and it, the world was our oyster. Um, so we always sort of had that struggle financially to make ends meet. Dad wasn't able to continue his line of work as a nurse and, and um, anaesthetist. Um, and mum, you know, went back to study. So we sort of scraped together to make ends meet. Um, and then unfortunately, my parents got divorced, which meant it left my mother with, you know, four um, young children um, as a single mother. So as a really young teenager at the age of 14, I learned very quickly that I had to go and work um, and hard work was really the underpinning um, reason as to where I am today. And it's always stayed with me purely for that reason. Um, and the other thing too was um, integrity. That's always stuck with me, you know, upfront honesty, integrity, and just being the person that you are and staying true to who you are and not really sort of living a life where you're pleasing anybody. Um, so to cut a long story short, we grew up with no money, um, but I refused to have that life for my children if I was ever to be blessed with having children, which I do, um, two happy and healthy kids. Um, so as 
a uh, female um, and in the industry of IT, it's been quite challenging to be able to live up to that mark. You always had to be, um, you know, right in the forefront of being smarter than everybody else. You had to work harder than everybody else. And that's not an impediment by any uh, means. I've always saw that as an opportunity to use a negative impediment to actually thrive and prove people wrong. Um, so I ventured into going to university, um, being the eldest of five, I had no choice but to get an education, lead by example. Um, but I've always lived my life on the parazo that you don't just do things by 100%, you do things by 500%. So instead of getting one degree, I needed to get two degrees. And instead of doing, you know, honours degree um, and achieving that, I had to get first class honours. Now, it, it doesn't mean I'm, I'm a, an intellect nor an academic, but I just worked damn hard to actually get to that, that level um, to achieve. Um, and then straight into the workforce. Yeah, and I purchased my first house when I was 21, um, back in the days, um, when people said, no, you weren't going to buy a house, you couldn't buy a house. I always had this mentality that there's nothing that I can't achieve if I put my mind to it and take risks and work so hard and make sacrifices, you know, in life to, to get ahead. Um, so with that in mind, I then continued to just purchase property, invest in property, um, and really simply living within my means. You know, I, I drove nice cars. I mean, granted, I, I drove a BMW when I was 25, but I bought that in cash. It wasn't, I had to get a loan to buy that. Um, so it's pretty much living within the means and taking risks where nobody else would otherwise and being able to back yourself um, to say, look, if I fall, that's fine, I'll get back up. And you'll fall so many different times in your life. And trust me, thank God I've got padding on my backside. <laughs> the amount of times I've actually fallen on my ass, uh, not that I enjoyed it, but I got back up every time. You know, every time somebody said no in a sales meeting, I took that as an opportunity to say, you know what, that's fine, I'll continue. And you just, it, it's perseverance and persistence. Cam, there's so much gold in what you've just said. I'd love to actually unpack a, a couple of those things. One of the things that I've often felt with people who have had to really, you know, drive their own success around money is that there's often been some bad habits or beliefs around money that you've actually had to overcome or change. Can you relate to anything on that front? Because you are hands down one of the hardest working people I have ever met in my life. And, you know, your drive and your ambition and your perseverance and your grit, um, mm. you know, it's unparalleled. But if you were to reflect on maybe some of the money habits that your mother and father had and, and, and what, it is, what was it that you had to overcome? Like you sort of touched on, you know, sometimes people kind of said you can't do that or, you know, that's not possible. You know, can you talk a little bit about that? I think it's... Two things. Firstly, I never wanted to be poor again. And when I say poor, I'm talking about trying to find ends meet to even just put food on the table. Or I'm talking poor when you're a 14-year-old and you're catching the 375 bus from the causeway, which is, you know, government housing, which 
now is Kingston Foreshores. And you finish school, then you have to catch a bus, two buses to get to work. And then you're waiting 11 o'clock at night for one of your parents to pick you up as a 14-year-old, the same age as my daughter right now. Um, and having to work that that extra hard to, to pay rent or help mum pay the rent and look after my brothers and sisters. Grit comes with um, that determination to persevere even when you want to give up, you know. And I think the most important thing for me is never wanting to fail. And I know people fail in life and that's fine. But for me, failure was not an option because I've can't, you know, I've got nothing to lose because I started with nothing. The same token, money has never defined the person that I am. I've never put money first. I still don't put money first. I still don't put assets or the car I drive or the clothes I wear first. It's always what I call my core inner self. And I'll explain what I mean by core inner self. Core inner self for me is when shit goes on in life or stress or, you know, divorce, for example, that's occurred in my life in the last 12 months, shakes your life and you feel like, you know, everything's falling apart and the world is, you know, right on top of your shoulders and nothing's going right. I go back to my core and my core is the things that ground me and it, the, they're the cause of, you know, kindness, love, um, integrity, honesty, um, compassion, um, understanding of people and empathy of those around me and respect. So every time something happens in my life, I actually go back to my core and that's what grounds me and that's what I focus on. It's so easy to live life and, you know, when something happens that's out of your control, you most people become the victim instead of the victor. And there's a big difference. You know, you can easily go, poor me, this has happened to me um, and I'm going to choose my life to feel sorry for myself or take revenge. That doesn't sit within a positive mindset. And you can choose to live your life feeling sorry for yourself or living your life going, poor me, uh, you know, I'm self-entitled and this has happened to me. Or you can choose to live a life where you go, okay, that's happened to me. This is how I'm going to deal with it. And that's when I go back to my core and that, that core makes me happy. You can be really rich and you can have all the money in the world, but you can be the most loneliest person. I'm rich in my life purely because I've got, people who genuinely care for me. I've got my children that are happy and healthy. I've got people who actually, you know, ring me to see how I'm going. I've got love and that's what money can't buy. I've got respect from people because I've earned that respect, not because I've asked for that respect. I've actually earned that respect and respect's a two-way street, you know. And I think for me, those two core things is, you know, not wanting to fail but also living by your core. And yeah. whatever that core is, it's different for different people. You yeah, know? I love all of this, Cam. It's really, really, really profound. Look, I, I'd love to maybe switch tack here and talk more a little bit about your actual investing journey. Um, you mentioned that you started investing in your early 20s in property. Um, and for those people listening to this, basically part of the reason I was so excited 
that you agreed to be on the podcast today is you were, I'm trying to think, I think I was in my mid to late 20s when we first crossed paths. And I remember coming to your house and we were, we were just friends at that time. And, and you just, I, my, my first memory of you is you opening this big filing cabinet and showing me all these neatly filed manila folders with all the properties that you owned at that point in time. And right. just saying to me in the sweetest possible way, and it was really lovely, Selena, you know, this is the, this is the path. This is the way, you know, you've, you've got to get into this stuff. And um, yeah, you were definitely, you know, foundational for me in terms of sparking those thoughts and you know, oh, starting fantastic. the exploration. But I'm really curious to understand, like, obviously, you made the connection to property being the vehicle of choice very early on. What were some of the earlier decisions you made about your property investing journey that had the biggest impact? I think it's taking that risk, you know, saving enough money in order to be able to um, invest in the property and then understanding the commercial and business dynamics in order to allow that to work in your favour. So I learned very early on the onset things like financial management, things like accounting, things like understanding, you know, treating your tenants with respect and understanding that, you know, you're only as good as the person that's paying the rent and if they're happy then they'll continue to look after the property and and um, pay rent on time and all those things. And, look, the journey hasn't been easy. Look, I've, nine times out of ten I've made money when I've sold those properties, but sadly, you know, there's that 10% where you lose money but you just move on and... Yep. Um, and just learn from that mistake. Um, But I think for me, what I've learned really early on the onset is just to research, just to do your homework, um, you know, drive through the streets, um, understand what the stats are, um, look at the trends, look at what's sold, um, look at where people want to to live, access to schools, you know, all the standard things. I mean, I've had property in Sydney, I've had property in Melbourne, I've had property in Canberra. Um, and to be honest with you, I'm at a different stage in my life where I then offset all of those investment properties in order to purchase, you know, one family home. Granted, my personal circumstances has changed, um, but, you know, I now have the financial freedom in order to be able to take time out and not work if I wanted to. I now have the financial freedom to be able to take a holiday, even though we can't. But it, it, it's all that hard work has now yielded the return. Um, yep. I think the other key thing is to diversify um, your investments. So not just property, but things like shares um, and term deposits, although the interest rates are quite low at the moment. But taking risks where most people would go, well, I'm not, a, not willing to take that risk. Um, and backing yourself to say, look, I've made this decision and that's a journey I'd like to sort of go along. I think for me, I've been quite blessed to be able to start um, and create two successful businesses. Um, And that's been the commercial um, mechanisms for me to be able to um, create the cash cash cow in order to sustain that continuous investment um, and pay all the rates and everything along those lines. That that segues actually into a really uh, interesting question that I'd love to ask you. 
most of our audience are actually business owners. Um, and, you know, you would understand this and you've probably witnessed this as well, that a lot of business owners tend to have the attitude that the highest ROI is inside their business, the highest rate of return is inside the business. So a lot of business owners grapple with the idea of why would I take, you know, my money or my profits, dividends out of my business and invest in another asset class when I can put it back in the business and, and keep reinvesting and you know, grow my business. You know, you seem to have balanced the two. Like, what, what's your advice on, on that front? Look, it, it, it's really a, a juggling act and it's how long's a piece of string because it depends on how um, mature that business is. You only invest in a business um, in the early stages and then build that business up. When it's sustainable and it gets to that break even and you're making a decent profit, I often think that that's a great opportunity to take that money out and reinvest because I always have this philosophy that you feed the funnel. I've always been in sales and you're constantly feeding the funnel. I remember giving this business advice to um, my business partners, constantly feed the funnel because you're not putting all your eggs into one basket. And I think that's really key is diversification. I remember when I was in my 20s when I first started property, it was property, property, property. And it was, you know, that was it. Now 45 and a little bit wiser, made phenomenal amounts of, you know, mistakes along the way, lessons learned. I think it, what's really key is being able to diversify your investments um, I'll give you an example. I invest in Aboriginal art. Now, you know, whilst that may not seem to be, you know, a standard investment for some, um, I feel that further down the track, if I invest in the right um, Aboriginal art and the right artist, sadly, when that artist dies or passes, um, that um, painting becomes three or four times more valuable than what it was. Um, and, you know, you certainly, and the other thing too is you, I've always paid off debt and if I can't buy anything in cash, it means I can't afford it. Granted, family homes or investment properties, big ticket items is an exception, but things like a car, if I can't afford to drive that car or purchase that car in cash, there's no point. I just can't afford it. Um, and just making do with what you have. It's amazing how little you can live with um, and how minimalistic you can actually survive yeah. and not keeping up with the Joneses, you know. One of the beautiful things that you just shared in that, in that statement is the, uh, the recognition that, you know, it isn't, you know, all rainbows and unicorns when it comes to investing, that it is easy to make mistakes and I think one of the uh, pitfalls that the average newbie investor has is that this, they're sort of marketed to by people who say, you know, it, it's easy, you know, you, you, you never lose money, um, you know, and you see them posing in front of Lamborghinis and Ferraris and, and you know, selling the dream. And uh, I think what you've shared is, is actually a little closer to the reality, which is, you know, it, it's an upward trajectory, but, you know, if you're not getting cuts and bruises along the way, then maybe you're not playing the right way. Um, but can you talk a little bit about, you know, where have you experienced a financial loss and, and what did you do to digest to get past it? Because that's another area of, 
of struggle that I've witnessed in the investors that I've worked with. You know, it doesn't matter whether it's a small loss or a large loss. A lot of people get really stuck when they lose money. Look, the, the game of life, in my view, you've got to be able to win and lose. The difference is a lot of people celebrate their wins and not their losses. And I'll explain why. It, you only have to look at people's Facebook posts and, you know, I'm excited about this and nobody's going to air out their dirty laundry, mind you. And that's fine because I'm certainly one of those people who don't. Um, but everybody's really quick to celebrate the wins. What they don't realise is you need to celebrate the losses. And I'll give you an example. I lost a, through my divorce. I lost substantial amount of money on investment in Griffiths, which is, you know, inner south um, property. Whilst I can sit back and go, oh, my God, you know, horrible loss, financial loss and losses of everything else, emotional loss, feeling of failure. You can look at that. I then switch my mind and go, you know what, that loss then I can offset on a gain further down the track. If I sell my shares or if I make a profit on the next property, then that offsets that loss. You've got to celebrate the the losses in life purely because it's a lesson that you learn from it that makes you a better person and most people don't celebrate their losses most people only just celebrate the wins in life and I think it's really important to go yep I've fallen on my ass but I'm going to pick myself back up and say you know what that that's fine I've learned from that and I've made that mistake and I will never make that mistake again and if I do It'd be a big bitch slap. <laughs> Same advice, Cam. Love it. Love it. Look, I'd like to finish out with one last question, if if you don't mind. Um, sure. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of noise in the media about this is the right way to invest. That's the right way to invest. There's uncertainty in the market. The market's going up. The market's going down. Like there's a lot of noise. What would you say to you know, people who are really wanting to get a foothold in building wealth, where do you think the greatest opportunities lay over, say, the next five to 10 years? Look, for me, the biggest achievement that one can obtain in their life is to be able to purchase a family home or a home for themselves if they don't have a family and pay that off as quickly as possible. And then from there, that then becomes your nest egg. And I can tell you right now, I've paid off mortgages several occasions and then I've purchased something bigger and more expensive and then I've paid that off. So being able to have a foundation of wealth and to be able to have money in the bank, I think that's really important. So many people nowadays want something now. They're not happy to wait for it that they just want to buy on credit and they live a life that they can't afford. I'm a bit old school when it comes to business and in and financial because I know what it's like not to have money. I never ever want to go back there, but money doesn't define who I am. That's a big difference in my life compared to a lot of business owners, I think. Um, and not 
doing things because of money because then that takes away all that core value of integrity and honesty and you know I can sleep at night knowing I haven't screwed anybody over to make a quick buck and that's fine by me but not everybody lives by that standard um, and I think it's really key that people should just live within their means and just save. I've never had this mentality where I live by paycheck by paycheck or you know, I've always had money in the bank just for a rainy day. You know, if you were asked me, say, a year ago, um, whether my life is going to be different to what it was a year ago, I'd say no. But fast forward a year, circumstances change. And to be able to be a financially independent woman or a financially independent individual in today's society, I think that's really key to never rely on anybody to put food on your table, to never rely on a man to actually put a roof over your head, in my circumstance, or never to rely on anybody to actually buy something or do something or to get permission. So being able to be self-sufficient as an individual, I think that's what financial freedom is, to be able to have the options and the choices in life and to live a life that you want to live not based on the standards of other people uh, you know if I want to take time off work I can you've got those options you're not governed by this corporate handcuff that you have to turn up to work or you have to you know be this stereotype I, I've at the ripe age of 45 it's like well you know if you really don't like me I'm sorry that's not really my problem as long as I know I, I've lived the truth of my life and that is, you know, I've never done anything wrong to hurt somebody intentionally. I've done the right thing by my employees, my business partner, my staff, my friends, um, you know, even the waiter that has served me lunch. Um, I think that's really key, living by that truth as an individual. Such gold in so much that you've shared today, Cam. It's been awesome having you share. And I Thank you. appreciate that you bent your rule and agreed to this interview. So I know. You. <laughs> you did very well. <laughs> did very well. <laughs> it is a year of the yes for me. So the fact that you made me agree to this. Did you hear that, everyone? If you want something from Cam, this is the year to ask. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you my time, my efforts, my knowledge. My, I'm happy to share. So anytime. It's been awesome. Thanks so much, Thank Cam. You. See you, Selena. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Warrior podcast and a few things before you take off. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on future episodes. And I'd really appreciate it if you could rate and review my podcast to help more people find it. Also, each week I send out a unique email newsletter where I share some of the most cutting edge and interesting things I've found during the week to help you on your journey to financial freedom. And finally, if you're interested in fast tracking towards being financially free, please check out my programs where I help you get onto the path of generating a significant six-figure passive income through investing. If you're interested, head over to freedomwarrior.com.au to find out if it's suitable for you. Till next time, take care. See you on the next episode and bye for now.